I'm super excited to jump into God's Word with you today because we know that God's Word gives us life. It is a light to our path as we move forward in this season and way beyond. And I'm excited to come to you from my home today and just share from God's Word what He wants to speak to us today from 1 Peter chapter 3. And as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about one of my favorite movies of all time. Many of you know that I was a basketball player all growing up and, and even in college. Uh, my dad was a coach. And so uh, you might not be surprised that my favorite movie of all time is a basketball film. It was made in 1986. The movie is titled Hoosiers. Now, I actually watched this for the first time with my daughter uh, on New Year's Eve night. We had a special party, viewing party, had been waiting to watch it with her. And I think she agreed that if not the best movie of all time, it's one of the best movies of all time. So we, we love basketball in our home. And the movie Hoosiers is about a small school in rural Indiana in the 1950s that made it all the way to the state finals. I'm talking, this, this school was less than 100 students, and they were matched up against a, a huge school from South Bend, Indiana. And as the story goes, the, 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 the game is, is tied at the end, and, and it's close, and, and, and this little school, Hickory, has a shot to win the game at the very end. And so the coach calls timeout and he gets all of his players around him and he says, all right, we're gonna use Jimmy, our best player, our hero. We're gonna use him as a decoy. And Ray, we're going to set up the play for you. You're gonna make the shot. And all of a sudden, the five guys in the huddle shrug their shoulders and they start looking around in disbelief. They can't believe the coach is not calling the play for their best player, the one they know will make the shot. And so as the music begins to play, it's a great soundtrack. As the music begins to play, Jimmy Chitwood looks up into Coach Dale's eyes and he says these three words. I'll make it. I'll make it. Oh, I love it when he says that. In other words, he's saying, give me the ball, coach. I have confidence that I will make the shot and win the state championship for our team and our school. And as you might guess, the coach puts the ball in Jimmy's hands and he sizes the defender up pulls up on him, game winner, Jimmy Chitwood, the hero, Hickory Huskers go on to win the state championship. Now, you may say, hey, Pastor Tan, I'm glad to know your favorite movie of all time now. Maybe I'll watch it, get it on Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever. Why are you telling us this story? Well, when we get into God's word this morning, we're going to see that, that Peter is calling us to take the shot. He knows that the, the life that these early followers of Christ were going through was difficult and they were faced with challenges one after the other of people opposing them and their faith in Christ. 
but he says that this opposition is actually providing for them opportunities to love people and to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so listen to these words from 1 Peter chapter 3 as I read verses 13 through 17 for us, as we think about what it looks like to live ready to take the shot, to take the opportunities that God gives us to live out our faith in Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. Peter says, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. I want to give you two encouragements today that we can see here from Peter's words. The first encouragement that I want to share with you today is, is simply this. Expect opposition in your zeal for good. Expect opposition in your zeal for good. Time after time in this letter, Peter has instructed us to live a life of good conduct and to chase after doing good. In chapter 2, verse 11, uh, he, he talks about um, keeping your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. That's, that's chapter 2, verse 12. In chapter 1, verse 16, he says, be holy, live a holy life, a life that reflects God. In chapter 2, verse 16, he says to live as servants of God. And most recently in chapter 3, verse 11, as we heard from Pastor John last week, he says to turn away from evil and to do good. And so he's continuing that thought here. And when he says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good, we should immediately push pause and ask ourselves, is my life characterized by a zeal for doing what is good? Am I passionately pursuing the life of Christ and seeking to reflect him in everything that I am and do? You see, when we possess a zeal for God, we look at the life of Christ and even Isaiah 59 verse 17 prophesies about the Messiah and it says that Jesus wore zeal like a, a coat, like clothes. In, in other words, it's imagery saying when you look at the life of Christ, you read the Gospels, his was a life full of passion and zeal. You say, well, Tina, help me process this. Help me to know if I'm living a, a zealous life. Perhaps even in this pandemic season, I know I felt this, where just the, 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 the circumstances, and I thrive off being with other people. And I can tell you that there have been times in this season and, and weeks where I haven't had my usual zeal in living for God and, and, and just enjoying life day by day. But just by God's grace, we just keep seeking after Him, strengthening us and, and giving us our zeal back and increasing it. And so zeal, what is zeal? Those who are zealous have an intense focus about them. 
They're not distracted by the things that are happening around them. Not only that, they have an abundant supply of energy and enthusiasm. In other words, they not only have great strength to engage in these good works, but, and, and listen to this, they actually enjoy doing it. Intense focus, great energy, abundant enthusiasm, and also resolute action. It says Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. He was focused on taking that sacrificial action of giving his life over for hours on the cross. The life of Christ was a zealous life and we we're called to follow in his steps to live a life of zeal. And I know this is a difficult time and I know one of our temptations is going to be, hey, I'm gonna wait on someone to check on me. I'm gonna wait on someone to serve me. But the zealous go after people and they serve them first and they check on them first and they extend God's love. And so Peter says, look, be zealous for what is good. And he asked this rhetorical question. He says, hey, if you're zealous for what is good, who is there to harm you? He's expecting a, a, the obvious answer. No one. If you're doing what is good, why would people be upset about that? And yet, Peter is a realist. And so he knows that for some people, they're not going to like your zeal for good. In fact, they're going to oppose your zeal for good. So that's why he goes on in verse 14, and he says, But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. You may be thinking, well, Pastor Tanner, this is, this is crazy. Why would anyone be upset if I'm just trying to do them good? Well, well think about this, this picture. Maybe when you were a child, or, or maybe uh, just as, as you've lived life, you've known what it is to be asleep in a pitch black room, a very, very dark room. And what happens when someone bursts into the room and flips on the light switch? Do you love it? <laughs> no, it's, you cover your eyes and it startles you and you want to get that, the, the light out of your eyes because it requires such an adjustment. And listen, this is what happens for so many. When, when light comes around them, when the light of God, the light of Christ comes around them, it exposes the, the, the error and the folly of their lives and they don't want to be around you. They don't want to see your good because your good is an indictment on their lack of good. And so Peter says, look, if, if you should suffer and, and you should expect that at some time, listen, suffering, what does, it, what does it look like in our culture? Usually it's going to take two forms, either verbal abuse or relational alienation. Maybe you've experienced this in your workplace. Maybe you've experienced this with friends or family because you take a stand for Christ, because you're zealous for what is good, because you're zealous to honor God. Some people have shunned you or pushed you to the margins of their lives. But listen, if that's the case for you, Peter says you can still have confidence moving forward. He, he first says, like, who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? And, and what he means by that is, who will ultimately harm you? 
Yes, you may experience some physical or emotional pain as you experience the opposition, but he says, take heart. Nothing can touch your eternal destiny. It has the ring of Romans 8, 31, where Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so number one, Paul says, look, if you're zealous for what is good, there, there's no ultimate harm that's going to come your way. But then number two, on top of that, not only, not only that, but in a positive note, he says, you will be blessed. And Peter here in verse 14 is echoing the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, verses 11 and 12, when Jesus said, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Suffering brings a blessing when our suffering is because of our faith in God. The Bible is replete with examples of how our suffering brings a blessing, how it accomplishes something. Listen to these seven ways that suffering brings a blessing from various scriptures. The Bible says that suffering for our faith demonstrates that our faith is legit. We saw that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Suffering helps us know Christ more. Paul talks about it in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Suffering shows people Jesus as we follow in his steps. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. Suffering brings an eternal reward. You just heard it from Matthew chapter five. Suffering makes us more like Christ. First Peter four, verses one and two. Suffering brings the blessing of his presence. First Peter four, verse 14. And finally, as Peter will say in chapter four, verse 16, suffering gives us an opportunity to point to the glory of God because in our suffering for his name, we are saying, God, you are worthy of me suffering and taking a stand because you are better than this person's opinion or whatever that they may do to me. And so Peter says, look, you need to expect opposition as you follow Christ, as you are zealous for what is good. But then in verse 15, I love what he does. He goes on and he takes it a step further by saying, not only will God bring you through the opposition, but God will turn opposition into gospel opportunities. God will turn opposition into gospel opportunities. Let's pick back up at the end of verse 14, where Peter says, Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. When we live with a zeal for good, when we live with a confident hope in our future blessing and inheritance, people are going to see the distinct quality of our lives. And they're going to begin asking us questions like, hey, why do you have so much hope? Why do you live the way you live? Why are you a Christian? And these 
These moments are how God turns the opposition into opportunities. I want you to see some very important things from verse 15. Verse 15 is such an important verse. One verse that I I memorized in college that's that's carried me for, for so long in my journey with Christ. When Peter says that we should be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks us for the reason for the hope within us, we need to understand that this word defense is the Greek word apologia. And that doesn't mean that we make an apology for following Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm a Christian. Oh, I don't mean to disturb you by my, you know, faith in Christ. That's that's not what it means. The word apologia means to offer explanations, to give good reasons for why you believe what you believe and why you live the way you live. We see that this is a legal term that that, that refers to lawyers in a courtroom who are giving a defense for the one they're representing before the judge and jury. And, And Peter is saying, that's the kind of readiness that you need to be prepared to to share with people why you follow Christ and and legitimate reasons for that. And and I know you may kind of be intimidated by these thoughts, but but listen, Peter is not talking about some grand debate filled with in some auditorium hall or stadium, but he's, he's just talking about the informal conversations and circumstances of everyday life. And he's saying in those moments, listen, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, the people that you interact with as as Massachusetts opens back up and we're back at Dunkin' Donuts and Mystic Coffee stopping in and, and having conversations with people in the everyday conversations. He's saying, look, people have real questions. They have real doubts. They have real objections and they need real answers and reasons from us as to why they should even consider also following Christ. I mean, people are asking questions in this time especially. Why would God allow a pandemic in our world? It's the, it's the age-old question. Why would a good God allow evil? Why would a good God allow suffering? But, but not only that, people ask other questions like, don't all roads lead to God? Or, How could a loving God allow people to spend eternity separated from him? Or doesn't science disprove Christianity? So many questions, so many objections. And listen, I don't have time to answer a lot of all these objections today, but I would just recommend a couple of resources. Number one, a great book that I love is written by Tim Keller. It's titled The Reason for God, which answers these questions and more. Or you can find resources by a man, an an Indian Canadian by the name of Ravi Zacharias. Sadly, Ravi went on to be with God this week as he passed away. But he was a great apologist who defended the faith and gave people reasons to believe. And you could check out almost any one of his books and, and, and be equipped with plausible arguments and, and, and reasonable defenses for your faith in Jesus Christ. So, so Peter is saying, look, be ready to have this defense. And you may be saying, well, Tanner, I'm, I'm already overwhelmed. You're talking about these objections and I, I've only had these conversations a few times and when I have, I didn't know what to say. 
But what I love is this. Peter does not say that you have to have an answer for every question that you will hear. What he says is that you need to be prepared to give a defense, a reason for the hope within you. And so what Peter's saying, and what I want to encourage you today, is to be ready to share your story. Be ready to share with people why you hope in Jesus, how he's changed your life. You know your story better than anyone. You know why you follow Christ, and your story is powerful, and people want to hear it. They want to know why you believe what you believe and why you live the way you live. And so I want to encourage you. In fact, I want to challenge you to be writing down just in in two or three minutes a way that you can share your story. Maybe you'll even be compelled to, to put it on social media and just let people know that you have a great hope even in this difficult time because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, look, you need to be prepared to know what to say to give answers as you turn opposition into gospel opportunities opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ, but it's not just what we say. Peter says it's how we say it. Look back at verse 15 again. He says, as you give reasons for the hope that is in you, he says, do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered and those who revile your your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. This is one of the ways that Ravi Zacharias gave such a Christ-like model for us. When he spoke, when he defended the faith, he did it with such a gentleness and a charitableness about him. I can remember some of my days in college when I was just learning how to defend my faith in stronger ways. I can remember specifically going with some other students out on a, on a, 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 a surf trip uh, on the western part of, of the United States. And I remember we sat down in a, in a, in a fast food place to eat lunch and uh, there were some other people uh, beside us and, and we got in a conversation. They were curious what we were doing, you know, on the other side of the, the States. And we were sharing with them and, and we started to have spiritual conversations. And all of a sudden, First Peter 3.15 started to come to life and I got to share reasons for the hope that was within me. But I got to tell you something. I didn't do it with a lot of gentleness and respect. In fact, I started raising my voice. My my blood pressure went up. I I started to get angry because I didn't feel like they were listening or or giving a a fair hearing to what I was trying to, to communicate to them. And so, yes, it was good that I was ready to give an answer, but it was not good that I didn't do it with gentleness and respect. And perhaps for that person, they were not compelled to follow Jesus, not because of what I was saying, but because of how I was saying it. Peter says, look, we need to love people. How, how, how shameful is it to betray the gospel we represent by communicating it in an unloving and a graceless way? As we share the hope within us, we have to do it in a way that honors Jesus Christ. 
and you say, well, well Tanner, help me out. I, I, I want to be ready. I, I, I love what, what verse 15 says, always be prepared. Some, some uh, versions, the NAS and the NLT say, always be ready to take that shot, to take the opportunity that God presents before you as you interact with the people that you love in your life. But how do we do it? You may be saying, Pastor Tanner, I, I, I wanna do it. I wanna share my faith more. I know how important it is. I really believe in Jesus. I really believe that he offers not just me an abundant life and an eternal life, but he wants that for all of, all of my friends and family. That's what the Bible says. God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And not only that, I want to do it in a way that's gentle and respectful, that reflects the gospel I'm sharing. Pastor Tanner, help me out. Well, there is a secret here in verse 15 that shows us how we can do it on a consistent basis. I'm talking about weekly, weekly sharing our faith with others in our lives. Maybe that seems like a dream to you, but I'm gonna tell you the secret to it happening is found in the first words of verse 15. What did Peter say? But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. This is the secret to being prepared to share Christ in a loving way with the people around us. It's setting Jesus apart in our heart. It's honoring him. It's placing him above everything. It's, it's when we are worshiping him first in our lives, when, when we're following him and we're drawing near and we're worshiping and we're spending time in his word and we're praying and we're living in community, where we're doing all these things to keep the fire of God burning hot within our hearts is when we will be most prepared to talk about him with other people. I can tell you from my own experience, the times that I'm walking closest with God are the times I am most ready to share my faith and share my faith in a loving way. Those are the times I'm ready to turn opposition into opportunity and to take the shot. And so I wanna encourage you today, be ready to take the shot. Turn any opposition into a gospel opportunity. Who are the people in your life that maybe right now, even right now, the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I need to check on them. I need to reach out to them. I need to share the hope that is within me with them. Listen, I love to hear the story this week of one of our RHC members who was just living out her faith in the everyday, just in her neighborhood. And one of her neighbors who uh, is, is just right next door, uh, they have been talking, you know, social distance, checking in, and, and, and this, this RHCer was, uh, you know, consistently just giving her words of encouragement. And so uh, this week, her neighbor sent her a text message and just said, hey, I need someone to talk to. And so they made time, and, and, and what happened was it gave an opportunity for, for one of our uh, women in our church to share the hope that is within her. 
to, to tell her of how she's navigating through this time, that God has a purpose in this difficult season, that she has a hope that is moving her forward and helping her navigate these challenging days. And listen, that person was not only thankful to hear, People, by the way, are much more grateful when we just honestly and lovingly tell them where we are spiritually. But she said, I want to know more. I want to learn more. I've been thinking about my relationship with God over the past few years, but I haven't done anything about it. And now God has placed us as neighbors so that you can help me get back to a place where I have faith in God. How amazing is that? Listen, that's what God wants for each one of us. If you are a follower of Christ, consider who it is in your life that you can reach out to in these days. And if you're not yet a follower of Christ, I want to tell you, God is opening his arms to you today to say that you can also in your heart honor Christ as Lord. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. You're saying, hey, I realize God loves me so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life and to die a death in my place so that through his death and resurrection, I can have eternal life and abundant life now with God. And so if that's you today, if you're ready to place your faith in Christ, just text the word Jesus to the number on the screen and we'll follow up with you this week and help you begin your journey with Jesus. Let me pray for each one of you now as we respond to God's word today. Father, we thank you that you are a God who not only carries us through opposition, but you turn opposition into opportunities. God, it's my prayer that for each one of my friends watching there today, that you would speak to each one of their hearts right where they are, God. Put people on their minds and hearts that, that they should reach out to and just care about and love in your name, God. For any person that's maybe considering following Jesus or wants to know more of what it means to follow Jesus, empower them to take that step. Give them the courage to take that step, to text Jesus to the number on the screen so that we can help them in their journey. God, we thank you for what you're doing in these days. We keep looking to you as our source of strength. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.